up. So this is Mark. Uh, Mark pastors uh, Faith City Church in Mandra. And we met many years ago at a conference in uh, in Welshpool, and uh, that I think you would have, had organised initially, and uh, but it was just a fleeting encounter, and uh, and then more recently uh, through other connections, WACAL, the West Australian Coalition of Apostolic Leaders, blah, 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 blah. if you want to remember that one, uh, we we yeah connected there, and then we just hung out and had coffee a few times, and uh, I've just really enjoyed. Uh, spending time with Mark, and he'll let you know if if it's uh, mutual. But uh, I feel it is. Uh, but just uh, just yeah, love your heart. Uh, beautiful heart for for the city, for the region, for Mandry. Done a lot of work in uniting uh, pastors and leaders and churches. And uh, yes, yeah, really exciting and encouraging. And we're just blessed, not just as uh, as an ambassador for compassion, but also just as as a, as an apostolic leader in our region. Uh, we're just blessed by who you are. And uh, so yeah, looking forward to the word that you have to share. And I just want to pray for you. So. Thank you, Father. We thank you for Mark. We thank you for his family, for his children, Lord. We play pray a blessing and covering over them. We just thank you for the word that he has to share and not just a word, Lord. We know when your spirit moves, there is substance to your word, Lord. Even the word is, you are the word, Jesus. There was substance to this message that you have to share. So we thank you, Lord, for the impartation that will come, Lord. Everything that Mark carries, Lord, we just receive as a community. We receive the word that you have to share. We receive the impartation that you have to give us this morning, Holy Spirit, and we just bless him in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Brad. What an amazing man. Yes, that was the best response, but we can do better. Pastor Brad and Lisa, these eyes are amazing. I'm just going to make myself at home here. I feel so at home here. I've always wanted to come to this church. My son Israel is with me today. He's just over there. My wife, yeah, give him a... My wife, Priya, is a teacher at South Coast Baptist. She's on roster today, so couldn't be with us today. So, so sorry, but she wants to come next time. And, and on the way here, my son asked me, what church are we going to today? And I said, we're going to a very cool church. I've always wanted to visit this church. What a family. You have an amazing voice in our city. I pray you understand the call and mantle that you carry because what you carry in the Lord is very good. Thank you, three of you. I said, what you carry is awesome. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there's a couple of things I'm here to do today. One is to give you a compassion missions update. So I'm just setting myself up. And the other is to bring the word of the Lord today and just share around the word of the Lord. I have been praying for about a month with fear and trembling to say, Lord, just give me what you want me to share this morning. Because that's all that matters. When I walk away from here, what remains is his word. And that's the most important thing. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this time. I pray for this church, this region, and what you're about to do this morning. We know you're here, and we will act like you are here. Lord, we will lay everything down right now in our hearts and in our heads. We will open space inside of our being so that you can fill us afresh today, God. Fill us afresh today, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many of you love compassion? It's so good. You know, you're a church that brings the kingdom. 
It's a part of your mandate. It's a part of your vision statement. And I wanted to just share with you a little bit about your missions update in Indonesia. Because what you're doing is ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing. You are bringing the kingdom to Indonesia. And some of you don't realize it. So I want to give you a couple of little stats, a little bit of a missions update, and just talk about what you are doing and how you are bringing the kingdom to Indonesia. Currently, in this family, you are sponsoring 25 kids. That's amazing. And I want to say thank you, because you just need to add another 25 chairs, because that would represent the children that are a part of the Paradox family. But let me just say, if we had 25 chairs lined up, behind each of those chairs is another six people that have accepted the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Saviour because of the work that you are doing over there. And let me tell you, 25 children actually looks like more like 150 because that's the number of people through you reaching out and bringing the kingdom that have now experienced the love of Jesus. And they are being discipled right now. 150 people. It's almost like another paradox church in Indonesia. That's amazing. Like seriously, it's amazing. Those sort of stats as a pastor... They really impress me. And that's why I love advocating for children. I was a chaplain until last year. So I was advocating for local kids, serving local kids for about five years in two of the roughest schools in Mandra. But now I get to advocate for kids in poverty overseas. And I wouldn't do it any other way because they have no voice. They have no voice. So 25 kids have been released from poverty in Jesus' name. And poverty is a construct of the devil's kingdom. But the kingdom has the power to destroy poverty. We have the power to destroy poverty so that children can come to the Father. Amen? Amen. In the last 12 months, let me tell you, there's been 86 letters that have gone back and forward between Paradox Church and Indonesia. What interactions? That is amazing. A couple of stats about Indonesia. 87% of Indonesia are Muslims. 7% of the population are trapped in child labor. 700,000 Indonesians are in slavery. Let me tell you, we need to bring the kingdom we need to bring the kingdom. They need Jesus. Whatever they're going through, Jesus is the hope that they need. Amen. And through your sponsorship, children continue to receive education. That's practical. Counseling, nutritious food, welfare checks. Do you know that poverty opens the door for predators to take advantage of kids? We need to shut that door in Jesus' name, and transform these regions through discipleship. Amen. Every child within the Compassion Program is introduced 
to Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you a quick testimony. In, in 2022, a young girl of eight was in a family of about five or six, four siblings, two parents, and she lost her father during COVID. Her dad was a labourer. He did heavy labour. So the dad died, and because they were so desperate, the mum had to go fulfil his role at the job doing heavy labour. This little girl gets sponsored by an Australian. She gets introduced to Jesus, and through her brokenness, through losing her dad, she finds Jesus, and she finds hope. And for eight or nine months, she goes to church a couple of times a week, then goes home, sings little church choruses, you know, like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. My worship is not as good as your team. Just forgive me. But she starts worshipping Jesus and carrying the essence of the hope that Christ gives her for eight or nine months. Do you know that her mother gives her life to Christ after nine months of hearing these, the joy of her daughter? Then all the siblings come to Christ as well. And these sort of testimonies are what happens in Asian countries right now as we reach out and say, you know what, we hear you, we see you, we want to love you in Jesus' name. I've got a quick video I'd like to show you this morning. It shows you a testimony of what happens when someone comes through the Compassion Program and at the end of it. Please watch this testimony. My childhood life was a very challenging. When we are studying, we have to share pencils. The pencil, you must sharpen it at it will get smaller, but we must use it until it will be, until the eraser or the pencil will get smaller. We lose some hopes because we think we are not getting to high school. Our house is at the back of our church. We have a small window. I can see people playing. I started going to church four years old. I remember I was playing outside. My mother called me, Angel, you'll take some pictures and they will register you. Compassion Ministry has provided us school supplies. More friends, more connection to others. Also, my sponsor gave me a gift every birthday. So we don't have to share some, some pencils, some socks, some bags. I remember I said, now I can go to high school. Now I can go to college because of this program. I can feel that every time I wrote the letter to my sponsor, I, I just imagine I, I, was, I was talking to her face to face. Surprisingly, my sponsor gave it a fund to buy a guitar. It's like an engine to my faith. So I want to give best to God by serving and by playing guitar. Since we started our business to have this printing shop, I said to my wife that it is a business, but it is also a ministry. 
back then when I was sad, we're struggling school supplies. And right now, I'm selling his school supplies now. Sometimes I sell the school supplies, especially to the kids, on cheaper price. And sometimes it's free because I've been there, I've been there, it's hard. I have two kids. It brings me a joy that I can provide. If my sponsor was here, wait, my sponsor was watching me. She changed my life. I just want to hug her. For taking my life, my situation, releasing me from poverty, and releasing me from spiritual poverty. That's what happens when we bring the kingdom. We change lives. I'm so sorry, I'm just feeling the power of how we can extend God's kingdom. That's what happens when we bring the kingdom and people get to the other side of their poverty and they find hope. They actually become contributors and transformers of their society. And I want to ask you today, it just costs 11 bucks. What can you buy for 11 bucks? Everything's gone up. 11 bucks a week. It's the best 11 bucks we'll ever spend to transform a life and see children taken out of poverty and come to Jesus and be discipled systematically. When these kids reach 12, they are then taught to disciple younger ones, leadership and to raise them up. So by the time they leave college, they're actually transforming their society, their jobs. All because they, someone said, I believe in you, I see you. Poverty is a destroyer of lives. Poverty destroys lives, but the kingdom destroys poverty. Let's not go past that table and ignore these kids today. Let's say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to live a little leaner so that somebody else can have some life. Amen? Amen. I want to leave that with you. And uh, I pray you'll come and see me after the service at the table. I'd love to even just chat to you. Just have a coffee and uh, just get to know you. Thank you for listening to your update. Let's just pray again. Because I feel like I, need, I, want, I want us to catch what God is doing this morning. The Lord is here this morning. Can you sense him here today? The Lord is here. Father, as we gather around your word, we lift Jesus up in our midst. Holy Spirit, speak to us afresh that we may not only impact nations like Indonesia, but we will impact Rockingham City. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. I've got a message today, and the title of my message is called The Seed of Paradox. The Seed of Paradox. I don't know about you, but there's nearly 150,000 people in Rockingham. 
which means, as Pastor Brad shares often, his job is to equip the saints for ministry. It's not ministry on a roster. (laughs) It's to win your city and transform it by bringing the kingdom. That's your mandate. Our mandate is not just to come to church. Jesus did not die so that we could warm a seat. He died to set you on fire and to walk through this city burning for Jesus. There's no other way to live for him. I'm just going to grab a tissue. There is no other way to live for him. You're either hot or cold. The only way to walk with him is on fire. That's the only thing because he's fire from the waist up and the waist down, the Bible says. His face shines like the sun at noon. He's fire, let me tell you. And when you encounter him, you are never the same again. There is no bondage, barrier or brokenness that he cannot reach. He does the reaching. We do the responding. As our sister spoke last week on the orphan spirit, we must respond. That is our job. Amen. I often wonder if Jesus came to church, what would it look like if he was preaching here today? Just imagine that Jesus was here. He's here. You know he's here. We've got to start acting like he's here. We totally act differently. Our mindset, everything. You want to steward a greater presence of God in your life? Start acting like Jesus is in the room. When you worship, don't worship like he's in heaven. Worship like he's here. He is in heaven, but he's here. And he starts to manifest himself right in front of you when you treat him like he's in the room. It's true. I've seen it. There's such a conviction when you start to say, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, no, but I'm going to start acting like him here. Too often we act like he's somewhere else. When we act like he's here, he starts to move. He starts to do what he does best. I want to tell you today that as I've been praying over the last month, I feel like people are going to get, I don't know what, too much about the church. I know you've got the Transformation Center. I know you have worship now. That sounds like I'm listening to Spotify because it's so awesome. <laughs> like it's so excellent and so anointed, so full of the presence of God. But I don't know too much. I know you've got great pastors, great leadership. But I don't know what else. What I do feel in my spirit is that people are going to get saved through you. There's a few empty seats here. You must put your hand on them and say, be filled with the unsaved. Can you see it? There's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. In Mandra, we have 98,000 people. 5,000 people know Jesus. 92,000 people don't know Jesus. Those are the stats. We need to be praying into because as we equip the saints, your life matters. In that equation, you carry the very presence of God wherever you go. And I want to say souls are going to get saved. Jesus is here and he's going to work through you. Let's turn to Mark 16 verse 11 because I want to talk about the seed of of paradox. Do you know what paradox is? An absurd situation 
when investigated, proves to be true. That's what a paradox is. For all you new people here, that's the paradox. Okay, let's go to Mark 16. I love this scripture. Verse 11, let's go there. Actually, let's go from verse 9. It's all good. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and that he had been seen by her, guess what? They did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest. But guess what? They did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, there was a condition going on there, but if you go down to verse 20, it says something totally different. It says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. Signs were, there was a switch and a shift that happened from the first verses where they did not believe to where they were set on fire and set their city on fire. You can see it from the book of Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit hit them and then they received an encounter. And then in chapter 6, the Bible says that the disciples were being persecuted by the Pharisees. And do you know what they said to them? You need to shut up, basically. Do not preach in this name. You have filled this city with your doctrine. They filled the whole city. And our churches, let me tell you, we need to fill our city with this good news. doesn't matter if people agree with us or not. It's a paradox. <laughs> it's a paradox. So what were they preaching? I just wanted to share on the simplicity of what they shared. And I've done the same thing as I was working in schools, seeing the same results, seeing the Holy Spirit move at Kudnup College and Dudley Park Primary. The presence of God just hit the place. People get saved. I'm telling you, he wants to move. Are you willing to move? Amen. And the world right now is so sensitive. They're searching for something. And we have the answer. We're like that ark carrying his presence wherever we go. We can see results because he's with us, confirming. But we need to say something that he needs to confirm. Amen. So something shifted. You know what? In verse 20, they took initiative. It says they went out. They went out. And we hear this verse and we think, but what were they saying? I used to ask this question, what on earth were they saying? Because there's so much to actually try and understand. What do I share with people? And I want to tell you the seed of paradox today. It's quite simple. Here's the thing. 
they didn't just sit and pray. They actually went out. They went out. And you know something? It all starts with our own personal encounter with the resurrected Saviour. You see, we can camp around his earthly ministry. He did great works. Or his birth. We can camp around the cross. Or we can camp around the risen Saviour. Because it, you, you operate differently wherever you're camping. If you're camping around the resurrected Saviour and you know that you know that you've seen him, it's not about trying to motivate yourself to share the gospel. It's that you can't deny the gospel, even if you tried. There's something about meeting him, knowing him, and that triggering a response from within that I cannot deny. I cannot deny him. I just, I just know him. Let me tell you this. If your grandmother died on Friday and you put her in the morgue, right, and then on Sunday the hospital calls you and says, you know what, we put her in the drawer, but it's empty. You need to get to the hospital. And you go to the hospital and out walks your grandmother from down the hallway. She's alive! You know, you wouldn't keep, you wouldn't shut up about that. You'd be at work, you know, my, my grandmother, we buried her on Friday. And at tea time, you'd be, you know, my grand, I can't get this out of my spirit. Well, my grandmother was dead now, she's alive. Because you've experienced it. There's no one that can take that away from you. You experience the resurrection of the dead. And that is the pinnacle and the seed of our faith. So here's what happened. And I really believe, um, I think it was Pastor Amy was talking about a few weeks ago, kingdom culture and a shift and, a ch and the need for the church to awaken. But this is what awakens the church. The fact that we understand he's alive. That is the motivator. I don't need to motivate it myself. I just need to encounter him. Know deep within that he's alive. Game over, devil. Game over. I don't even have to do it through works and pump myself up. Right? We can't get into works. Jesus Christ, you, you, you just encounter him for yourself and you will not shut up. Like it's, you cannot deny it. But here's the thing. We must switch from celebration. A lot of church life is about coming to church and celebrating, and that is awesome. But we must switch in this season to proclamation. Celebration to proclamation, because that's what happened here in verse 20. It says, they went out and preached everywhere, and they filled their city with Jesus, because they could not deny it. They had, you know, they stood in his presence, eyeball to eyeball. Jesus' eyeballs are blinking. They're blinking. They can see the nail scars. They're dialoguing with him. They're eating with him. Then all of a sudden, they see him fly to heaven. Like there's air underneath his feet. Forget Iron Man. This is Jesus. He's flying to heaven. And they're like, oh, my gosh. This is so real. 
must understand the reality of our Savior. He's real and he's alive. And his face shines like the sun. We must learn to walk with the ascended Christ. Must learn to walk with the ascended Christ. They went from celebration to proclamation. They preached the gospel everywhere. It wasn't sad news. It wasn't religious news. It was good news. What I want to draw, draw some parallels between, just to set it up a little bit, what are some parallels between their time and our time? Here's a couple of parallels. First, in Israel, everyone had heard about Jesus, right? In our time, a lot of people have heard about Jesus, uh, the historical figure, right? They had heard he had died, all of them. They heard this great prophet had died and been crucified. Most people have heard of Easter. They've heard about this thing called the cross. There were many in their time that did not believe, like we just read. There are many in our time that don't believe. So the stakes are the same. But what is the seed of the paradox? What is the game changer? He's alive. He's alive. Yes, he was dead, but he is alive. And that was the message that they shared with everybody because they could not deny the fact that he is alive. We cannot deny. Do you know, I've shared it with many people in a non-weird Christian way because you get some weird Christians as well, right? Trying to, they've got their gospel barrels ready to go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> For five years, I just loved the communities at the school. Just loved them. Just embedded myself in the community. Just loved them. May I say, I love the hell out of them. Like, really love them. We've got to love the hell out of our cities, right? We've got the power of God. We've got to love. It's love that will lo remove the kingdom of darkness. But let me tell you, as I shared... And people sort of open up to you after they love you. And it might take a year or two if you're journeying with people. There comes a point where you get to share, he's alive. He's alive. And once that word goes in, it cannot come out. Because you're actually talking about the goodness of God in your life. You're actually attaching it to some of the good things you've seen him do in your life. Testimony cannot be denied. I was once sick. And, you know, these guys at church, they're my family. And they prayed for me. And I got healed. I was depressed. And, you know, some people prayed for me. And they journeyed with me. And then I'm okay now. I'm going through the heart journey. And people are just going through with me to get to the other side. And I've come through it. These are, this is gold. These testimonies that you carry 
are gold. And it's what the world is craving for, to get the other side of their bondage, their brokenness and barriers for them having an abundant life. That, but it only comes through Jesus, right? It only comes through Jesus. So what did they share? They, they shared that he taught, he lived, he died, and he rose again. It's that simple. But let me tell you, as you share with people that he's alive and that he rose, it does boggle their mind. That's the paradox. That's the paradox. But there's enough power and seed in that for the Holy Spirit to take and for them to investigate and find out, oh, somewhere along the line, it's true. We must proclaim. If we, don't, if we only celebrate and don't proclaim, nobody's getting saved. You know what I mean? It's good news. It's good news. Proclamation comes. And what comes after proclamation? Confirmation. Whatever you proclaim about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is on standby to make that real to a person. Celebration, proclamation, confirmation. But if we're not proclaiming nothing, he's not confirming nothing. If we proclaim what the disciples proclaimed, we will get the results the disciples got. Throughout history, whenever there's been a surge of the movement of God, it's because we just start living the Bible out. Let me tell you that God will move through your movement. God will move through your movement. So move in Jesus' name. People are going to get saved through you. You carry the glory of God. You carry the very presence of God. We heard last week about the veil being torn. You carry whatever was behind that veil is in you. All of that power, all that glory is, is within you. Only one person can go behind that veil. You carry all of that inside of you. God has invested all of that inside of us. And he trusts us with all of our brokenness and failures. Don't let the devil condemn you about your brokenness because that's Jesus's. He purchased that on the cross. You just say, no, that's on the cross. I am whole in him. I might be working through some stuff, and that's okay. We all are. But you know what? I am my father's child. I am my father's child. Amen. Proclamation, then confirmation. It must be spoken. The Holy Spirit has nothing to confirm if we don't share. Proclaim him as Savior and he will save. Proclaim him as healer and he will heal. Proclaim him as deliverer. And he will deliver. Proclaim him as the baptizer in fire. And he will baptize in fire. Whatever you proclaim, he will do.
Because he will confirm what you proclaim. Celebration is important. And then when we come back to church, it's a real celebration because we've seen the proclamations that have happened during the week. That's the pattern in the Bible. We've seen the movement of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying it's not happening. I just think that it needs to happen more. You're feeling it. When we talk about the church waking up, this is it. The seed of the paradox. Proclaiming that he is alive. He cannot confirm if we don't proclaim. Let me tell you today, my last and final point, you have access to his power and the Holy Spirit will not hold back anything from you. I told our church, I said, don't act like you don't have it. Start acting like Jesus is in the room. Your level of stewarding his presence will go through the roof, number one. Number two, proclaim and watch him move. He started moving. I was, I was in a high school at Kootenup College, and I'm telling you, the Lord started touching some of these students. These are some of the broken, most broken students with trauma, you know, being raped or, you know, abused. I'm telling you, there were, there were stories that made me cry. There was, I was so... I had to get counselling for some of the stories that I was exposed to because they were horrific. One boy tried to kill himself at school. And I, these are real stories. This is the pain of our city. But Jesus is the hope and the answer. And as I'm sitting with him, the psychologist is there, the social worker is there, and the chaplain is there. And they all turned to me and said, can you look after this guy? I'm like, you're the psychologist. The social worker has all the answers. I said, I said, I'd love to. And I hung out with a few of the students that were really, really broken. One, one time in the office, and I'll cut, a, cut the story short, we were talking and he was talking about what he believed in. The Grim Reaper was one of them. He said, the Grim Reaper's actually really good. He's just got a bad job description. And if you look at all the guy's writings, very dark. And I said, Have you, do you know about good and evil? And he goes, yeah. Well, he goes, there's a God, I think. And he starts talking about the light and the darkness. And we start, we start exploring that together. And I said, Have, you've spoken to the dark side. You're telling me what you've shared. Have you ever spoken to the light side? He goes, no, I haven't. So we start. I said, would you like to? Would you like to speak to the light side? I mean, nothing lost, right? Nothing lost. It's not my job to, you know, yank God's chain. So, God, you know, page in God right now. Need you at aisle three on earth. <laughs> and so I said, let's talk to him. Because we sometimes call it prayer. And I said, it's actually just talking. He goes, I'd like to do that. Would you really? Let's try so we start talking to God, and I just say a simple prayer for him, just for a couple of minutes. We feel the presence of God just feel. Do you know, he goes, I don't know what happened. I felt like something was on my shoulders, and it came off. And so this guy had literally he had a plan and everything, you know, to end it. He goes, something, and, I, and I've seen Christians get all excited, so I'm on Friday afternoon. Okay, let's catch up next week. 
<laughs> he's like, no, something's happened. I don't know what happened, but something was on my shoulders and it came off. And I've seen many emotional Christians, so I'm like, you know, a bit, bit jaded. And I'm like, no, no, let's talk next week. Anyway, he comes bounding into my office on Monday. He goes, Mark, I'm not lying. Something happened. I feel like I've got my purpose back. I don't want to do that anymore. I feel like I want to live. And he goes, you know what happened on Saturday? I said, what happened on Saturday? He said, I spoke to God. I said, what? And he goes, I felt really bad. And, and I said, what did you say? And he goes, I said to God, dear God, I'm sorry I haven't spoken to you in my life. It's so good, eh? This, he's repenting. He doesn't know it. He said, I'm so sorry, God. I never spoke to you. I will speak to you from now on. Please, uh, whatever happened yesterday, I want to continue with that. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. All I did was say something, proclaim something little. Can we, can we try and see what happens? I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have a white suit on. You must feel the anointing. I didn't do any of that. It was just not weird. It was just practical steps of serving. Practical steps of serving, right? And so that gets around the school. His friend gives his life to Christ. And his friend is like the kingpin in the school, the coolest dude in school. And he gets, he gets saved. He comes to church. He leaves church. And he comes into my office. This is after six months. He goes, I can't do it anymore. I said, what can't you do? I come to church and I feel God in church. I go home and it's so hard. Mum's got this boyfriend, my sister. We're all fighting and it's so like toxic and broken. I just can't function between the two. I feel so much peace in the church. But when I go home and I said to him, what if you could have that peace you're talking about any time? He goes, could I? I said, you can have it right now. He says, how? I said, Sh shall we try and speak to God about it? And he goes, okay. I said, do you like Thor? And he goes, yeah. I said, I like Thor as well. You know how he's got that hammer and he reaches to heaven and then lightning hits him and he receives the power of Zeus? And he goes, yeah. I said, you know, sometimes we, when we want God's peace, all we have to do is put our hand to our Father and the Lord will touch you. I said, you just do that anyway. I'm taking a risk here and I'm on school. I'm at school, right? This is risky. So we're in, in the office, student services. And he goes, I'd like to try that. So I said, okay, just put your hand up to your Father in heaven. God hits him. And he goes, what, what's happening? What's happening he said, my legs are feeling like jelly. And this is like kind of weird. I said, I know, right? But he says, I feel like I got some peace. And he said, me and, me and, and his friend who, who got saved as well, he goes, we've been telling everybody. I said, what? That you got magic. <laughs> and I said, to, I said to Callum, of course he's got the magic. The pastor has all the magic. And I said, no, 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 no. Silver and gold have I none. I said, all we have is this person called the Holy Spirit. And you were the one that put your hand up to him. And then he says, oh, by the way, I had this dream. 
And I was in my dream, I was running away from church. And then all of a sudden, I had, I had to turn back and go towards church in my dream. But I'm leaving church, by the way. What do you think I should do? And I said, I said, well, about that. In the Bible, God visits us in dreams and he speaks to us. You need to discern that dream for yourself. I want you to go away and pray about it and see if, see if God is speaking to you. I didn't say, you know, shanda hunda, God is speaking to you, right? Thus saith the Lord, turn to Jesus. No, I didn't say that. I said, you need to discern that. He comes back later and says, you know what? I really think that dream was a godly dream. So he started carrying this peace that he so wanted everywhere. That's what he needed. There are so many needs out there. We carry the glory of God. We carry the presence of God. I want to challenge you uh, for the next few months. Can we not see one person get saved in our midst? I, I'm going to close with this. I'm just going to check how much time I've got. Can we have the musos? I'll leave you with this thought. Quite often in churches, we see one person get saved and we despise it. We never press in for the second, the third, the fourth. The Lord gave me a vision twice this year. I call it the popcorn strategy. I saw a sea of popcorn kernels. I saw the sun shining, the face of Jesus shining. Then I saw the oil of the Holy Spirit touch one. And then that pop. After a little while, I saw more oil descend. And then pop, another one pop. I saw another one pop, 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 pop. And the, 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 you know when you put popcorn into a microwave oven and it just starts off very, 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 very slow. But then it picks up in tempo. The Lord says if you press in, you'll see souls saved to the same extent. But don't despise the one. Go again. He said, my people see the one and then they think that's it. They don't press in for the more. Who wants to press in for more? Let's be upstanding. I want you to put up your hand if you will surrender your life as a vessel to proclaim and see people saved in the next couple of months and start praying earnestly for souls. Would you put up your hand in this place? The altar is a place of encounter. And God is going to touch your life with power this morning to be people that can proclaim and see confirmation as well of what you proclaim. I want you to come forward if you would like prayer. As you stand in the gap for your city, the Lord Jesus will meet you here. Let's not act like it's somewhere else. The groom is at the altar waiting for his bride. The groom is at the altar and he reaches his hand to all of you and he says, I want you. The groom is at the altar. If you put up your hand, don't, don't be afraid. God is going to endure with you with boldness like they did. In the New Testament, 150,000 people in Rockingham. God can win a nation in a day. Let's fill this city 
with the resurrected Saviour. Pray for one soul to get see the first one, see the first breakthrough, and then go with intensity after it. God has called this church as a voice in this state, this nation. God is raising you up to be a voice. Ask the Lord to fill you. He can touch you right where you are. Your prayer team, would you come to pray for infilling and power?